Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And here we go. What a beautiful morning it is here in sunny slope, Arizona. Yeah, we can see the lights up on the hills. The mountains are definitely a little greener. And wasn't it nice that a little cloud snuck in yesterday when we actually got some rain that was unforecasted? You know, this every bit of monsoon we get, and every day we can extend it today. It's going to be a little, you know, a little shorter, a little less sunlight, less chance of getting really hot. Just kind of a generally good thing. Anyway, happy Sunday morning. Welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We have Shira here on phones and music, and she's looking all lonely back there. Give her a call, number to call, 602-277-5827-277-KTR. We could talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow it, why to grow it. We've got vegetable season creeping in. August is almost here. The Labor Day weekend show is going to happen, and uh, that means it's fertilizing time again. And uh, so a lot to do, a lot, lot to, uh, to talk about this time of year. Great time still to plant, uh, you know, the heat-loving things, all the desert trees. Love this season, uh, along with palm trees and citrus. So a lot of things, this is the best time of year to plant. Um, others, we want to hold off, you know, a little while, like roses and probably some of our fruit trees. Better to wait, you know, give them another three or four weeks, let it break, and let the days get a little shorter first. But uh, we're starting off with wide-open phones today. Yes, this is as open as it can be. We don't even have one ring. Yet, so if you want to give Shira a call, you can take the show whatever direction you want to. We're here to learn. If you have something fun, different, you're growing at home, we'd like to hear from you. If you have a different style of pruning or technique, or uh, you know some other new fertilizer or way to deal with pests. Um, we're all ears. We're all here to learn. It is a beautiful morning out there. It was nice to get a little, uh, you know, a little rain some places around the state yesterday. And uh, boy, we've had a wonderful uh, season with a lot of rain up in the mountains. And, uh, you know, our local reservoirs, you know, if we go back 50 years before we had the CAP and things, you know, we're doing pretty darn well on our water. But um, in the meantime, we are pumping a lot more groundwater out too, folks. So we need to be aware of how we use it and where we use it and why we use it and the differences between our water quality, different times of year but you know the one panacea the one really wonderful thing is the rain you know and the more rain we get the happier we are and washes away the salts if we get those thunderstorms we get extra nitrogen so it just does a lot of good things for our desert and uh, you know you can really see the difference in the plants out there and the animals going to be as well so it's you know you're going to have a a lot more bunnies and a lot more quail and a lot of happier critters out there you know loving the fact that we are getting some monsoon two lines still open number to call 602 Two two seven seven five eight two seven two seven seven KTAR Doug and Surprise. Good morning, Doug. Hello, Doug. <laughs> yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, uh, yeah I got a uh, it was supposed to be grass lawn, but I got a weed lawn. Okay. Oh, I thought maybe you're growing marijuana out there in the yard. Yeah, no, the wrong grass. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. No, but it's, it's a lot of spurge and then a huge amount of this little. I don't know what the plant is. Little short thing. It's got about four leaves and tiny yellow flowers. Uh oh, it could be a puncture vine this time of year. So uh, at any well, rate, it's been growing all summer, and mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's taken over the lawn. It, 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 the grass can't come up through it. it. It completely covers the lawn. Did you have a winter lawn last year, Doug? No. 
You didn't. Okay. So here, no. are you, you, you don't anticipate planning one this year. Take it. No, I don't. Okay. So let, let's get real proactive right now. Let's kind of mow everything short. Okay. And feed it. Okay. Okay. And then okay. let's hit it with a pre-emergent here um, sometime in the next couple of weeks. Just hit it with a pre-emergent. So that's going to stop the fall weeds that are going to germinate. You know, usually we do that about the 15th of September. And then we have to wait for the uh, weather to cool off. So once it gets below 85, you can spray that lawn with some 2,4-D. And that's like Weed Be Gone or one of those kind of uh, products. You can't okay. use it okay. when it's over 85 degrees or it can volatilize and cause all kind of problems you don't want to experience um so we just wait for it to get below 85 and spray that that's going to kill off all those existing uh you know weeds that you see it's going to kill the spurge and those kind of things and uh, that pre-emergent to keep it from regerminating from seed you know at that point so that way you should be kind of protected and then if you'll go ahead and fertilize it again you know in late uh october kind of the last time for the year and then put a pre-emergent again and and like late january and again in April, then basically what we should do is we should knock out that whole course of all those weeds that are germinating and causing us problems, and the Bermuda grass should do much better. Okay, so I do I do the pre-emergence first? Pre-emergence first, uh, wait till the weather's below 85, you know, and then you can come through and use a contact killer with 2,4-D, and then do pre-emergence and fertilizer a couple more rounds. Now, if you wanted to really kind of help the lawn out, what you could do too right now is you could go ahead and just cut it really short and aerate it, and rent one of those little plug machines, aerators, and and throw Mm -hmm. some gypsum on it, and that's going to make it all, you know, drain better, and it's going to make your fertilizer that you have already in there release and do some good things for you. So you could do that. You'd want to do that, though, before you you put a pre-emergent down because the pre-emergent just is a surface barrier and once you break it if you aerate it for example then the then the pre-emergence for not so if you want to go ahead and aerate it and really build it up i would do the aeration first i cut it short aerate it and then come back with the pre-emergent and uh, you'd be fine okay very good well, good luck, Doug. Thanks for the, being the first yeah. caller today. We, all, we always don't like that first caller. Somebody's got to break the ice, you know. Yeah, well, I just I just went out my grass to look at what that small weed was, and I'm standing out there. Mm-hmm. I look down, and I start feeling bites in my legs, mm-hmm. and I get these red ants all the way up to my knees. Yeah, that's no fun. <laughs> Yeah, and that's where I got to cut the grass short. I just cut it yesterday. Well, and see, here's the thing with the, the ants. It, once you get rid of that spurge, that's going to cut tremendously down on your ant population. Those ants, you know, farm the spurge. You know, our southern fire ants, which are kind of the black or small ants, they farm the ones that really bite a lot. The ones my kids used to call the biting ants, they farm the spurge. So that little spurge, yeah. when it's got three or four leaves, has already got seed on it. And those ants are going to, you know, really capitalize on that. And you'll have a lot more ants. So by getting the lawn healthy and having the grass and not having the seed in there for those ants, that'll cut their population down. Now, you could go around those baits this time of year with, like, some Amdro or get some good ant killer. And uh, it would be a great time to go after the ants. The problem is with our monsoon, the good thing is, is that, you know, everything gets healthy. But that's when the ants go out and breed and, you know, reproduce and become a big problem, too. So if you've got a lot of ant problems right now, you might want to go ahead and treat those guys first. Yeah, and like I said, that other little plant that's growing, that that thing, it's about 15 by 30 feet wide, the whole, I mean, it, it just covers my, you know, a third of my yard in the backyard. 
Well, and you know, the, the, the way to get rid of it is to, to deal with it in two phases, you know, but we can't go out and spray the 2,4-D right now because it's too hot and it might drift yeah. and cause you other problems. So I would get everything first set and then spray whenever the day is going to be below 85, you know, then you can spray the 2,4-D. Okay. Okay. And where do I get the pre-emergence at? Uh, you can buy them at you know, our, our nursery, any good nursery around town. Um, there's a place called Weed Mart that, uh, Bug and Weed Mart, that's got a lot of, you know, more volume of different kinds of chemicals like that. They're pretty knowledgeable staff. They'd be good guys to go see. Okay. Oh, I'll tell you what, you're out in Surprise, where you could go just to uh, Dale's, uh, out in Waddell, uh, Dale Deal's uh, feed store. It's called Deal's, and uh, they're a dog place and feed store. And actually, Dale's Dale, probably one of the most, if not the most knowledgeable guy on, on chemicals and things here in the state. And that's where we buy a lot of our chemicals from. And so, um, you know, for our agriculture. Oh, he's on Waddell? Yeah, he's on Waddell. Yeah, on Waddell. Yeah, right yeah I, drive, I drive by there on my way to Costco. It's about five minutes from my house. Well, if you want to, you know, if you need some professional help along those lines. He'd be a great guy. They have a good staff there and a lot of knowledge, and uh, and they stock more chemicals than most places would. Okay. Well, I'll Doug, have a nice here. weekend. Thanks for being our first caller. I'm trying. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ryan. Okay, bye. Uh, Les in Phoenix. Good morning, Les. Hey, good morning. Say, quick question. Uh, uh, when I do my garden, I have it, you know, next to my lawn. Um, now, how do I? What can I use to kill the grass that has grown over my garden area? That's safe. Well, I mean, in a commercial basis, what they would be using would be Roundup or glyphosate. You know, if the, if the garden's done and you can spray it, it's contact killer works fine. There's another one that's more selective herbicide called Fusilade. Um, and it also, uh huh, and also could come through as a, you know, one of the ones like over the top from somebody else. It's a repackager of the same chemical, but it's uh, it's a very efficient uh, herbicide that uh, works only on grasses and not really on their dichotomous plants. So it wouldn't kill vegetables. So it'd be safe to use, you know, out more around the plants. But um, you know, you just need to kill it before you get started. I mean, fall gardening season's yeah. here, and you know, getting after that Bermuda grass because it will create a lot of problems if let go. So which one? You, so the fuselage would be the best. Um, well, either one's our, either one's going to work fine. Yeah. You know, Roundup's fine. Okay. You know, anytime you use chemicals, always follow the label. But the the real key is less for killing the the grasses is let the grass have some size to it. So don't cut the grass oh. and try to spray it. Let the grass grow and be tall and spray it. And okay, that perfect. It's tall. Yeah, that, yeah. You don't you don't want to cut it back. You don't. And then if you want to really you know do a good job on it, you can actually mix a little fertilizer, water soluble, something like Miracle growing with it. And uh, uh-huh. and if if you buy one that doesn't have a surfactant, you can mix in a little bit of Dawn dish soap so that it sticks better. And uh, with this heat, you know the, the glyphosate should kill your grass. You should see it turn brown within three or four days. Okay, great. And if I used a pre-emergent on my lawn, would that also kill the dichondra? Uh, no, the pre-emergent's got to keep the dichondra from reseeding for a short time. But dichondra oh, will reseed on its own. And uh, the herbicides, you know, most of the herbicides are really lethal to dichondra. Yeah. But as far as a yeah, pre-emergent, exactly. it's not going to bother it at all. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks, Les. Bye-bye. Uh, Gary and Mesa. Good morning, Gary. <clears throat> Good morning. I have a question about an apple tree. Uh-huh. I, what, what should it look like right now? Well, I, I mean, my so a lot of apple trees this I, time I, of I, year I, get a little veiny, a little bit yellow, you know, and that's usually from a lack of some iron. And uh, so if you well, give them, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
I've, I've lost all the leaves. The, the tree doesn't seem to be dead, but everything fell off. Well, that's not a good so sign, Gary. Is it in lawn or rock? What's around it? Uh, rock. Okay. Have you used any herbicides, any weed kill around it? No. No? It um, has it a new tree this year, or has it been in for a while? Yeah, no, it, it's a new tree. This in the spring, I planted a, a pomegranate, a, yeah. a tangerine. It and an may, apple. it may or may not come back out. I, I would wrap the trunk to protect it from the sun to keep it from burning any more than it already has. Okay, I would leach it with a hose one time, like for several hours, to leach it out real well and to take everything okay. out of the soil. Then I would come back and give it a light dose of fertilizer. It's not going to use much because it doesn't have any foliage. You want it to get, get it to pop out, and that could be like a citrus food or any kind of fertilizer. But just a light dose, whatever is recommended on the package you use, use about a fourth of that. But put some something on right away and see if you can get it to pop some new buds out. I mean, the weather right now is not terrible for apples. It's going to be a little hotter this week. looks like maybe 110 a couple days. But even at that, it should be okay. But if it's, it should be leafing out and should have done much better in the last month than you're describing. Uh, yeah, because it's just the, the branches seem, they're, they're still soft. The, mm-hmm. the branches don't break when I bend them, but... Well, wrap yeah, the, is, wrap the trunk to protect you from the sun. See if you can't get it to pop some buds. You know, by putting the hose on, you're going to leach out the salts and things. And a light dose of fertilizers that's got something to grow on. And if it doesn't leaf out by October, it would be a good time to plant a new one. <laughs> okay. Through the summer, how often is this a once a week is what I should have been Well, it depends it? on your soil. You know, if it basically has a lot of heavier clay soils, weekly would probably be the minimum for a new apple. You know, most of the apple rootstocks can take a lot of water. So probably on a new one, I would have watered it twice a week, you know, because it was new. Right. But, okay. uh, that, you know, that That's would be ideal. My third apple. I just, I can't seem to get an apple well, tree to grow. So. Come in and get a Dorset or an Anna. You know, those are the two varieties you want to plant. They're the most prolific. And- and yeah, that's what this one's the golden dorset. I've, yeah, I've had that's, two a, that's a hardy that. variety. But, you know, if you're going to plant a new one, plant in October. And uh, October is the October. month when they've got all winter to root out before they flush in the spring. It's by far the best time to plant them. And when you water, make sure you're watering down to a depth of a couple feet. So it's going to need about 15 or 20 gallons of water if it's a 15-gallon, you know, every time you water it. Okay. Okay. All right, I'll give it a shot. Good luck, Gary. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have a couple lines available. We have Shira back here smiling. You can give her a call at 602-277-5827-277. KTR, it's Brian and Shira here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM. KTAR. Yeah. Hey. 
Sunday morning out there. It's uh, just special to see the you know, sun shining on green mountains here in Sunny Slope. Uh, a couple lines available. Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Next up, we've got Peter in Scottsdale here in the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. Good morning, Pete. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a an ash tree. I've had it for about four years, and it's in the front yard. And I also have a, a, a ficus, and the ficus is growing like a weed, and um, the ash tree is struggling. It uh, It's burnt on the west side, which is the side that the sun hits after 12 o'clock. Um, and it's just the leaves are there. I've watered it well. I fertilized it, but I just... I, I did have it wrapped when it was first put in, and then I took the wrapping off after a year and a half, and now I've rewrapped it because I don't know whether I can save the tree or not. I'd like to. You get emotionally attached to trees after four years, but I don't know if it's if it if it's just too far gone. Pete, is it in rock or lawn? It's in uh, the lawn. It's in the. Well, it's it is rock. It is uh, surrounded by rock. Okay, and how large in diameter is the trunk now? It's about three to four inches. Okay, so it's fairly decent size. Um, is it a majestic beauty ash, or you know what kind it is? Um, I, Does I it lose its leaves uh, for a real I, short time in the winter? Just a, a couple the, weeks. The leaves do get yellow, uh-huh. and then they fall off. And uh, the one side is growing. The east side looks great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it looks funny when you look at it, you know, from the south or the north, because it's growing from one side much more than it is. Well, what's, what's happened, Pete, side. is that the west side, the cambium layer, the part right of the bark where it grows from is probably cooked and dead, you know, and, and, it's, it just, and it's just growing off the east side of the tree. Uh, but it can heal itself. I mean, if it's an emotional friend, uh, there's no reason it can't heal itself. What I would recommend to you really is not to do too much right now. The fact that you rewrapped it is probably a big help and a big plus for it. Uh, I would fertilize it lightly, uh, but not until probably mid-September. I wouldn't fertilize it as early as we would like a citrus tree. But mid-September, I'd go ahead and feed it. And uh, then what I would do is I would prune it back this next year when it loses its leaves, like into December, January. Prune it back so it kind of balances. If you'll reduce the size of it some and uh, let some lower buds come out, even if you let it branch lower down on that west side so that it can put out some limbs that will protect it from the sun, uh, it'll come back out. Now, the other kind of brutal technique, and I've done it before and been very successful with ashes, would be just to let it go all the way through the wintertime and then come back um, you know, while it's dormant in January and just cut the whole top of the tree off. And uh, if you'll do that, it'll throw out more buds down below it'll probably come out as a multiple trunk with three or four trunks but it will be able to protect itself and you're going to take advantage of three years of root growth down in the bottom and it will come back and become a multiple trunk tree that'll be much stronger in protecting itself great well that that is major surgery but i think i may try that well, I, I've got a, there was one particular ash one night we were grilling over at my brother-in-law's house and um, I, I convinced the neighbor to get the chainsaw out of the garage and it was a shamble ash and it was probably at the time a 25 foot tree that was burnt on one side and rather gawky and we cut it back to about four feet 
on the trunk and just sealed the trunk up. And that tree today is the most magnificent, beautiful ash you've ever seen. And um, it's a little brutal. It's a little harsh. But um, the reason that the tree, you know, what happens, the trees naturally have those lower limbs and protect themselves. And then, you know, a lot of people want to plant a straight single trunk tree, which isn't naturally how an ash tree grows. And when it doesn't have the ability to protect its own wood like that, we wrap them and do different things to help them along. But if you'll just, you know, let nature take its course and reduce the size of the tree, uh, it'll balance itself back out as a multi and be quite a strong tree within one year. Great. Well, thanks, Brian. You just saved a tree. <laughs> well, it sounded like it was a friend. Now, it's going to be a little harsh. It is a friend. I, I would recommend taking the wife on vacation and leaving her somewhere while you cut this tree. <laughs> <laughs> Now it might be something. It might be something fun to do with some neighbors at a, at a party. But uh, if, if that's going to be the case, you might need a little wine or something to to, mind, to, to soften the uh, well, we, approach. We can do that. All righty, Pete. Thank you. Have a nice Thank weekend. Thank you. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. Uh, Tina in Southwest Mesa. Good morning, Tina. Good morning, Brian. I have two questions pertaining to the same tree. I had a red bush pistache planted. It's in lawn in March and it's the trunks maybe inch and a half Mm -hmm. between inch and quarter, inch and a half, something like that. And there's absolutely no wiggle room for it when the wind blows. I mean, it is, they've got a stake super tight to the stakes. Okay. And I've heard you talk about that needs some wiggle room. Yeah, these little exercises. You get out and do it. And here's the other thing with pistachio trees: they build caliber tremendously in the fall. So as they're going dormant for the winter time, they take down and store all the energy from the foliage, and, and basically the trunk mm-hmm. can almost double in the winter. So what I would do is go ahead and loosen the stakes. Now, does it have two stakes on it or one? It's two stakes, but then there's it's. Well, there's two major stakes out on the side to Uh keep them going side to side, and then there's one right up the trunk. Okay, so let's take the one off the trunk, okay? And Mm -hmm. uh, let's loosen the wires on the other one so it can move back and forth at least six or eight inches. Okay. And okay. If, if you'll do that, it'll it'll start moving and getting exercise and things. Now it might grow with a little bit of curve in it. You know, it might not be perfectly straight forever, well, but it'll be a lot stronger. And uh, so if you just take it'll the have set, character, it'll, well, it'll, it's just going to be strong, and it probably it's probably still going to be fairly <laughs> straight because it has been staked. So just take the center stake off, and if it'll stand up straight, just loosen up those uh, wires on the other two so it can move back and forth. Let it move back and forth, and then realistically. After this winter, after it goes dormant, you could probably remove the stakes uh-huh. altogether um, and, and do that while it's dormant in January. And as it grows back, at least uh-huh. out in the spring, it'll move a lot and it'll build its strength and won't okay. need stakes anymore. Okay, my second question the leaves that were on it and came to shortly after it was planted, mm-hmm. they're a very beautiful dark green, reddish, you know, but they're curling and dying on the end. There's a lot of new foliage that's a light green, uh-huh. but the older foliage is like, I don't know, it's 
it's well, I, would, I, would, I like wouldn't it. be overly concerned with it right now, Tina. The one thing with red push pistachio, you don't want to give it a lot of extra water. Okay, you don't want to give it any extra water, truthfully. If it's in a lawn, it'll probably grow uh-huh. on the lawn water. At the most, you'd want to water it once a week in addition to the lawn. No more than that, for sure. Uh-huh. Okay, and and just kind of let it be for right now. It'll, it'll you know, the new growth on the ends a really good sign, and it should come out kind of a red okay. color. That's why we call it a red push, so it should be a lot lighter color when it comes out. And that's the norm for how the tree grows. And uh, okay, let's just get it through this season, this this monsoon, and that's why we're going to leave the stakes on it so it doesn't break in the wind. But um, yeah, we can eliminate all those for the year and be good. Hey, Tina, I'll let you go because we okay. got news coming on here. But thanks for the call. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're here every Sunday from seven to nine on ninety two point three FM KTR. You can give Shira a call during the break at 602-277-5827-277-KTAR. quite a life. Anyway, uh, got three lines open. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTR, give sure a call, and you could be up after Lucy in the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. Good morning, Lucy in Maricopa. Good morning. I haven't called in over 15 years, I think. How long have you been on the air? <laughs> well, you could add about 20 to that. <laughs> okay. Not that, yeah, I have okay. been on just about 35 years. Long time, Lucy. All righty. Well... What I, I was listening to you talk about pre-emergent, I've got about seven acres out here, and I spray, oh, not all of it, but around the house and along the street with pre-emergent, and I look for glyphosate in, in what I buy. What do you recommend? Well, glyphosate's a contact killer, okay? So that's going to be a lot different. So a pre-emergent's going to be like a pendimethalin type thing. And really, the, here's the key, Lucy. It depends on how often you're tilling or breaking the soil, whether you need to use pre-emergent all the time or not. Because if not you put breaking it, the soil. If you're not breaking the soil, you won't get any tumbleweeds. And if you notice out in the desert, when you get away from town, um, you know, unless somebody's driven a, a golf cart or something through the desert, um, the desert desert really doesn't grow many weeds. You know, it's a lot different. Well, I've got gravel. I've got gravel over the dirt. Okay. And some some areas then where I drive in the driveway and then mm-hmm. around the house is just dirt, and we rake it, of course, rake up leaves and all that kind of thing. So those areas that you rake, a pre-emergent's going to work very well. And the pre-emergent you should use is something like a pendimethalin. And when you would apply that, you'd apply it in mid-September and then again in January. 
And if you'll do that, you shouldn't have many weeds come up at all. And you can get it in a granular form or a liquid. Now, the granular takes, well, it all takes about a half inch of water to activate it. Right, right. That's the problem, trying to put it down when you think it's going to rain. Well, it's been pretty good lately. Did you get rain yesterday, Lucy? I didn't get any. I've had maybe an inch and a half total monsoon out here. Well, you know, it's over yeah. our, our farm by the, the U of A there in Maricopa. It's uh, it's been funny. Yeah, I'm because... not there. I'm on the other side. I'm behind the casino on Thunderbird Farms. Oh, okay, I know and, exactly um, where we are. We got we've had a few drizzles. <laughs> we had one half inch. That's the biggest rain. That was a, a while ago. So I had drizzles after I put this after I sprayed the, my weeds, and they're all dead. So mm-hmm. whatever I did. The, the weeds that were up are dead, but I was just interested in that pre-emergent. And I have some pendulum. Okay, and that that'll work well. That you know that glyphosate's the best thing to kill weeds with, and and the trick okay. is, is is they're certainly a lot easier to kill when they're a quarter inch tall than when they're a foot tall. So it doesn't take right. much spray to kill them when they first come up. But if you're you know paying attention, that that makes a big difference, and that that really does stop them. So that that glyphosate's very useful for that, and then a pre-emergent, and then if you got the pre-emergent down, they won't even germinate. Hopefully, okay. <laughs> hopefully, that's Everything January and mid-September. Okay. Yeah. All right, Lucy. Thank you. Hey, thank and you. thanks for calling. You can call back, you know, sooner than every fifteen years. That's fine. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> have, have a nice Sunday, Lucy. Bye bye. You too. Uh, let's see. We got Guy in Peoria, then Ann, and then we've got a couple lines available. A number to call 602 277 5827 277 KTAR. Good morning, Guy. Good morning. Enjoy your show. I We grow okra every year around this time, and usually we get about a pound, pound and a half a day from the okra. And this year, I've got one, that, and it fell off. My uh, flowers, they start to go, and then the flowers just fall off. So I don't know if I fertilized it too much or what I'm doing wrong this year. You might have. Okra is pretty darn consistent, guy. And this weather couldn't it yeah. be any better for growing okra. You know, just yeah. 100 degrees and humid okra thinks it's back in Georgia or something. Yeah, it does. Um, should I, could I just flood it out or what should I? I've yeah, used a liquid feed. Yeah, that, that would be the thing to do, uh, guy. Would just, you know, basically give it an extra long soak and that's going to leach. If you think you got too much fertilizer, going to leach it out. Okay. And you shouldn't really need to fertilize okra much, you know, after it's established no, like this. Yeah. It's pretty darn tough okay. stuff. And uh, it certainly yeah. is good when you can grow it in your own garden and get it fresh and small. Yeah, they are. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, my wife had a question about the lemon tree. I'm sorry. <laughs> we had a lemon tree that um, I, it was quite overgrown. And um, in the spring this year, I wanted to have it trimmed. And I had an arborist come out. And um, it hadn't been doing too well. And it had a fungus and, and needed to be treated for the fungus. And so he said um, we should not trim it at all until, you know, until the fungus got treated and the tree was healthier so they did treat the tree and the tree looks really good now it's uh, got healthy healthy growth on it but now it's 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 really really overgrown mm-hmm. and hanging we have limbs just hanging over our roof okay and i'm wondering if is it the wrong i want to trim at least the limbs that are hanging over our roof but is it the wrong time of year 
No, it's not going to hurt it at all. You, you can prune it this time of year. You know, and oftentimes what we'll do is, you know, in the grove, we have trees that sometimes have so much fruit on a limb that it's going to break the limb. So we'll cut those right. limbs this time of year when they're overburdened with fruit. And the major pruning on our citrus, we usually do, and our lemons, we prune some of the bigger ones one side back every year. But uh, most of the time we do that in like early February. You know, after we think right. the frost is over and before it really starts to grow. But you could cut and prune a, a lemon tree almost any time of year as much as you like, as long as you don't expose the wood to the sun. So the only thing that would hurt the tree is if you expose a lot of wood to the sun. So if you want to cut it back and shape it, you know, the nice part about doing it now is for the tree's health and sake. Now, it might reduce your crop, but for the tree's health and for that sake is that it's got a couple months to grow back and fill back in, and it will fill in nice. Nicely over the next, you know, six to ten weeks. So, not a problem. Prune, right. prune away. All right. Good to know. Thank you so much. Thank right. you. Bye, guys. Have a nice weekend. Bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Ann and Gilbert. Hi, Ann. Hi. Good morning. How are you? Fine and wonderful. How are you, Ann? Good, good. Good. I'm doing well. Thank you. So, we've got a lovely 11 year old purple leaf plum multi trunk. Um, that has been doing great for all these years. And this year, about a, I'd say about six weeks ago, it started to lose leaves. And now it's lost all the leaves. The branches held on for a while, but they are dead now. And so I am wondering, it came, same like with that ash tree. We've actually done that ash tree thing where we've cut it back. Mm-hmm. Are we able to possibly cut that trunk down on a purple plum and expect that it might come back? Well, Ann, I lost, I, I lost my, my 20-year-old purple plum, I think, gave up the ghost this summer. Um, oh. You know, usually on a purple plum, about 15 years is their normal lifespan. Though there's certainly okay. some around much older in our climate. You know, if they were growing up at a higher mm-hmm. elevation, they'd live longer. But, you know, 15, mm-hmm. 20 years, I mean, that's kind of running out. So if it's in that poor of condition, you might just start, you know, with a new young one and, and plant one this oh. fall. Okay. But, you know, in the meantime, okay. it certainly doesn't hurt to prune it back and see if it comes back out. I mean, you, you can do okay. that. I mean, it's no reason not to. Yeah, you know, and really, it probably doesn't offer itself much protection from the sun right now anyway, um, you know, being without foliage. And the bark. No, it's pretty, the, and it's full sun all day, too. So. And, well, and the portion down below that has bark may come back out. But, you know, I would maybe wrap it up three or four feet and cut the top off and see what happens. I mean, we don't grow them into a big structural tree anyway. So, I mean, right, nothing. Right to lose and if it doesn't start to bud out again by October it's the perfect time to plant okay so by October if we don't see anything mm-hmm. happening okay well thank you so much Thanks, I appreciate Anne. it have a nice weekend bye bye you too bye bye Oh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have a couple lines available. Number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. But a song we sing Fears that we will die You can make the mountains ring Or make the angels cry Though the good is on the wing And you may not know why Smile. 
Invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s and continuing today for four generations. All kinds of trees. You know, we started growing citrus originally at our store at 824 East Glendale Avenue, but we continue today with palm tree farms and date palms all over the state. And if you're looking for trees, any kind, any size, from date palms to fan palms to Bismarckias or maybe exotic mule palm that looks like a, you know, coconut, or maybe you want to grow your little, little citrus orchard, or perhaps you're looking for a desert oasis. We grow them all right here in Arizona. Our original stores at 824 East Glendale, the East Valley. Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And Monday through Saturdays, you can go to our big tree farm in Stanfield, Stanfield Road, about a half mile south of Interstate 8. Woodfield Nursery now for four generations, growing trees here for Arizona's future. No job's too big, none's too small. If you want a 15-gallon tree and take it on the planet, come out and see us. If you need a 1,000 trees, for your development, come out and see us for those as well. Let's see, back to the phones. Next up, we, we've got to get the right order here. That's just important when they're Marvin and Gilbert. Good morning, Marvin. Morning, how you doing? Great, sir. How are you? Pretty good. Let's see if I could. Uh, you've probably talked about this a million times, but I got to talk about the beautiful avocado. <laughs> can you grow an avocado tree in the beautiful state of Arizona? Well, you can certainly grow an avocado tree in Arizona. Now, Marvin, there's there's some other good things. Now, you can grow the tree. You can grow the tree from a seed. You can buy you know from the avocado at the store and grow a tree as a pet in the back patio, and it'll probably do okay and be fun for several years. But if you're trying to grow avocados to really harvest and want to count on them, uh, it's very limited to the amount of people who are successful doing so here in the desert. In fact, even if you're in San Diego, they only really grow them on the hillside. So they don't like our heat. They don't like our cold. They don't like our salty water. But other than that, they love Phoenix. Gotcha. I have, I have about four or five of them now that I've grown from the cup into a pot. Mm-hmm. And uh, they look beautiful, but I have a few of them going down. And I was just like, I wonder if you can actually grow one. That would be awesome. Well, there so are there are the- some in town. There are, Marvin, there are some in town that produce, you know. And there's more now. Yeah. And there's some of the varieties like Mexico and some of the varieties that, that do better in our salty, cold, hot, you know, climate. But just in general, you're, you'd be better off if you wanted to grow a tropical fruit to grow mango. Gotcha. I, I, I thank you for uh, the, the answers and uh, appreciate you. Uh, I listen to you about, for about a half hour on my way to work every day. <laughs> uh, not every day, on Sunday. But uh, I appreciate it. I just had that question, and, and I appreciate the answers. Well, thanks for calling in, Marvin, and have a nice uh, nice day at work. Bye-bye. All right. You too, brother. Uh, Michael and Scottsdale. Good morning, Michael. 
Good morning, Brian. Hey, uh, so just on that note, you're saying uh, mango is a better tree mm-hmm. to grow. Can you grow that from a seed from a mango fruit? Well, no. I mean, the, the, the seed, the rootstock that's best um, it isn't one that produces a good fruit. It's a very astringent mango that's not used for really anything. It's called turpentine other than the rootstock. So it's a lot better rootstock, but you're better off to buy one that's grafted. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so my question today is that um, I've got a number of aloe vera plants that are oh two, two and a half feet tall, probably about eight feet in diameter is what all the pups have grown into. And I'd like to take those and line my driveway, mm-hmm. about 40 feet of driveway. How do I go about doing that? Uh, you could just dig them out, divide them, and plant them. I wouldn't do it right now, but you could probably do those in October. And uh, just okay. so you want to have enough heat down. for them to root out, yeah, but not so much as for them to burn and dehydrate like they may right now. Even probably the latter part of September would be okay. You know, they, they retain so, a lot of moisture on their own, and they transplant very easily. Oh, they do. So when I dig those out, are they just going to uh, separate? Well, they're they're going to kind of fall apart. So what you want to do, the easiest thing to do is dig out little clusters. So you have three or four or five, you know, individual plants all clustered together. And uh, so just plant little clusters and you can plant those 18 inches or so apart and they'll grow into like a solid uniform patch within a year or so. Okay, perfect. I appreciate it. Thanks Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Let's see. Next we have Donna and Gilbert. Good morning, Donna. Hi, Brian. I love your show and your music choices. We have fun. <laughs> uh, I've got a pygmy palm on the west yard, uh, four-trunk uh, four pygmy palm, and the one, the top of the one trunk, all the fronds have died. And I'm wondering, can I just sever that trunk without uh, ruining the plant? Absolutely, Donna. You know, pygmy dates are actually all grown from individual seeds. So while they're grown in clusters and clumps, they're not all one plant. So if you want to remove one out of the cluster, it's not going to hurt the group at all. Okay, at what point should I sever it? All the way at the base? Well, it's going to be a lot more attractive if you remove the entire trunk all the way to the base. Okay. Now, now, if you really wanted to be creative, you could leave the trunk there and, and go buy one of those big metal agaves and, you know, and <laughs> wire it to the top and your, your neighbors go, you know, Donna, she's kind of she's yeah. different, you know? That, that, would, that, that would endure me in the neighborhood, I'm sure. <laughs> Okay, great advice. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks, Donna. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cindy in Scottsdale. Good morning, Cindy. Hi, Brian. Um, I was out the other day, and I was looking at my lime tree, and it grows kind of like a bush. It grows down to the ground. Uh And I was making room, and all of a sudden, all these things, bugs came up that look like wasps. Okay. But... They don't, they're real light yellow, uh-huh. and they didn't seem to be very aggressive. Were they nesting in the ground, Cindy, or were they in the tree? I, no, I, I think they're in the ground because okay. I was messing around up near the ground, and they uh-huh. all kind of came up, but they didn't attack or anything, and I thought, well, maybe it's not a wasp at all. Well, there are bees and wasps that'll nest in the ground, both. And um, maybe you were fortunate. Maybe they just thought you were kind and didn't think you were much of a threat because some of those can be quite aggressive. And there's, there's I know, a lot of different I species. They after me. <laughs> well, but the, they didn't. The they, other just, hand, they just started 
Yeah. Every every wasp that we have here that is not, you know, going to sting or attack us can be very beneficial because they feed on insects, you know, and they really take care of a lot of the pests. And, and we noticed that when we used to grow watermelons, when our citrus orchards were young, we had four or five different species of small wasps that would go through and parasitize and eat a lot of our insects. So, you know, wasps in themselves aren't necessarily a problem um, unless they're going to be aggressive and bother you. Well, I'm sort of afraid to go in and get the lives now because that sort of stirs them up. They all sort of start flying around. Well, the the, the trick is to pick at night. Or, oh. or to drench the wasp nest and kill them. So you could, you know, you could kill them. You could actually take and drench that area with a product called Talstar. And you okay. could put that, on, you could put that on at night, you know, so you're not worried about the wasp flying around attacking you so much. And uh, you could drench that. You could mix it like in a five gallon bucket. And if they're in the, in the well by the tree itself, you could just pour that into the well and then wash it in with a hose and it won't hurt your tree and it'll kill the wasp. Okay. Would they be in the ground? Do you think? Or well, there are. There are. There are. There are some that live in the ground. You know, and there are others that live up in the tree. If they're up in the tree, you would probably see some form of a nest. I didn't want to get too close, but well, I didn't see a nest. Go, go, they seem to be in, more in the ground. In, go in at night with a flashlight, okay? Because they're okay. not going to be near as aggressive in the in the nighttime. So go in the night with a flashlight and see if you can see what they're you know where they are coming from, what they're doing, and if you want to remove them, uh, that Talstar works very well on them. Well, I hate, you know, I thought, well, maybe they're just some bug that's beneficial that looks like a wasp, but it really isn't. Yeah, it's probably a wasp. I mean, if you're describing them living <laughs> in colonies like that, it's probably a wasp. And, you know, perhaps you were lucky the first time, Cindy, they could be very aggressive, and a lot of wasps are. And when you have that, you know, a big colony like that, um, not only are they painful, but they could even be dangerous. Well, my, I've got dogs, too. Mm-hmm. Well, the dogs usually so, learn pretty quick. You know, <laughs> one time, yeah. to visit, one time to visit the wasp, they probably won't come back. But yeah, they can certainly get hit as well. But uh, that—that's what I would do. So I'd go in there at night with a flashlight and see where they're coming from. And then, if you wanted to eliminate them, you could drench them. You know, with the Talstar, um, or you could even spray in there. You can even get cans of the wasp spray and spray them as they come out, and that's very effective too. And that you know that wasp okay. spray will work from ten or fifteen feet away, so it's it's made for that purpose. And if I get it on the tree and the fruit, that won't be. It's a not going to hurt anything. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't. Uh, you'd, I'd wash the fruit off if you got it on it, but other than that, it should be fine. Right. Okay. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Sydney. Bye bye. And we're going to try and get Henry in before the end of the hour. Hi, Henry. Good morning. Uh, hi again, Brian. Um, I we talked a couple weeks ago about this another purple plum, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you had indicated at that time because the leaves were uh, they're, they're, they're brittle, they're uh, dried out, um, but there is new growth, new purple growth trying to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, you had indicated, well, it was since I live at uh, the Tatum and Shea area that uh, it was too clayish. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that uh, you know because I have these um, two 14-inch deep watering sticks in there, and I was watering three or four times a week for about 50 minutes. And you said that, or 30 minutes, that you said that there was way too much water, and the thing to do is, you know, cut the water out and just 
spray them, you know, on the top. Well, well no, I, I, I didn't up, tell you that. Just just water once a week. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Water yeah. once a week with okay. a hose. I'm sorry. Right. I, well, you know. Uh, hey, I'm going to I'm going to put you on hold and take you off the air because we're we're out of time. We got to take a hard break. Okay, hold on, and we'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, let's hear what Heidi has to say to educate us and enlighten us here on ninety two point three FM KTAR.